welcome. I think you've been welcomed sufficiently, but I, can't, I definitely can't say, I, at least I hope I can't say I'll be the first to welcome you to CCF Dinner and a Message. If you haven't been welcomed by now, man, we have not been doing our job of greeting people. Um, but just glad that you are here, that you uh, brave the remnants of a hurricane uh, to be here. Nicole's just mean, just like just blowing up all sorts of things and making it rain and all sorts of stuff. But y'all are like, whatever, hurricane remnants or not, I'm going to eat me some sloppy joes. So, um, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> but hey, uh, thanks for being here, uh, whether you are in the room, uh, live and in person, or listening to our podcast later, or uh, watching the live stream now or later, uh, whichever the case may be. Uh, real quick, um, people in the room, not talking to you for a second, live stream or podcast people, in the description of the live stream or podcast, there's a link to a survey you can take to help us out so that we can know how to make the live stream and podcast better. So if you do that, we'd appreciate it. All right, back to the live people. Um, oh yeah, my name's Donnie. I'm on staff here. I work here. Yeah, um, I forgot to mention that. Um, yeah, that's me. Um, but yeah, and you know, I haven't been up here uh, for a couple weeks. Uh, Sam and Brandon have done a great job uh, these last two weeks. And if you like variety, we'll come back next week because Angela's up next week. And let's just be honest, all bets are off when she speaks because you never know what she's going to say. And if you're like, dang, Donnie, that's what she says. Okay, so I mean, it's, it's just true. Um, but it's, it's going to be good. But four different speakers in four weeks is, uh, is good, I think. I, I like that we can vary it up. But we're all talking about the same thing. We've all been talking about our theme of story time. Uh, we have been using something called the Jesus Storybook Bible, which if you look at it, you're like, that's a children's Bible. Yes, it is. Uh, written, uh, you know, to children, but not just for children. Uh, we've definitely been getting plenty out of it. And what the Jesus Storybook Bible uh, does a really good job of doing is kind of showing something that Jesus said uh, in John 5.39. John's one of the books about Jesus' time on earth. And Jesus says, the scriptures point to me. Jesus is basically saying that everything we read in the Bible before Jesus uh, and afterwards, because he knew that stuff was coming, um, is about him. And the Storybook Bible puts it this way, these great big orange letters here, every story whispers his name. Uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible does a great job of pointing even the stories that are set, not set, that happen, they're not made up, so they're not set, they happened, that happened before Jesus they show how they're about Jesus. And here's something we've done that I don't know if you've noticed this yet. We haven't done a single story in the New Testament yet all year. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's split up into two parts. Everything before Jesus is called the Old Testament. And uh, everything from Jesus on is called the New Testament. And typically people like to skip the Old Testament because it's boring and irrelevant. Well, we haven't done anything from the New Testament yet all year. And I don't think it's been boring and irrelevant. I think it's been pretty good. And just spoiler... Angela's staying in the Old Testament next week, too. So it's almost a whole semester. I mean, it's Christmas after the one after that, so we're going to talk about Jesus then, because obviously. But like almost an entire semester hanging out on what people call the Old Testament. Yeah, it's good, and it's got plenty of stuff about Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing all year, not looking at stories in the Bible, but looking at the story of the Bible, which is the story of Jesus. And so we're going to continue with that tonight. Uh, before we go any further, uh, let me pray for us. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for each person here. Uh, and God, I trust that, that you have brought the people here tonight that you know uh, need to be here. And I pray that you would get me out of the way, that you would say what you want to say, and that you would help each of us uh, hear what you want us to hear from tonight, God. Uh, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. 
Amen. All right. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did some uh, very scientific polling and research, and I used Instagram. Um, and I put on my story, I, was, I asked um, for examples of people that are known for like one in particular thing. And I got a lot of responses, some I cannot share, um, and some that I was also like, that's what you think about when you think about that person. That's not what everybody thinks about. But there were some that I think were pretty, pretty obvious, and so here, I'm, we're going to go through a, a few of these real quick. So this gentleman, what's he known for? His voice. That's Morgan Freeman. He's known for his voice. A couple of weeks ago, Angela said if she gets to heaven and God sounds like Morgan Freeman, she'll be okay with that. And I think everybody would be. Okay, so yeah, Morgan Freeman, known for his voice. All right, next up. Right, it's like you even think, it's not even, it's what he's known for is that we all love him. He changes his shoes, changes his card again. He's just, like his neighborhood, right? Mr. Robinson. I mean, that's just, that's just, Roger, Roger, what is he, Robinson? You know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about an SNL skit is what I was thinking about that was not anywhere near as nice. Um, that popped in my head. That's funny. Good, good, good skit, though. That good, quality skit. Not family friendly. Um, comes out at 11.30 for a reason. That's hilarious that I did that. Wow. I don't know what to do with that. Let's just go to the next one. <laughs> Who's that? That's Simone Biles. What's she known for? Yeah, she's got like multiple moves like named after her. I mean, but like the, the Biles... And it's called that because, like, nobody else on the planet can do it. And it's just, yeah, but that's what they're known for. Those are just some of the things. Um, this one's rhetorical. Don't answer this one out loud. But what are you known for? And maybe you're like, well, that depends on who you ask. And maybe it does. Maybe your friends would say one thing. Maybe your roommates would be like, mm-mm. Um, you know, maybe your boss would say one thing. Let's not even talk about what your ex might say. Uh, coworkers professors, group project mates, you know, what would they say? What would they say that you're known for? Well, that's not the question that we're going to be asking tonight. The question we're going to be asking um, tonight, uh, and this is, if, if you're new, this is something we do. We ask a question pretty much each week, and I always have it be a, a first-person question because me asking you a question isn't going to change anything. But if you'll ask yourself these questions, I think that will be... Uh, potentially transformative. And so our question for tonight is, what do I want to be known for? All right, what do I want to be known for regardless of who is asked? Okay, we're, we're not going to take the easy way out and be like, well, that depends on who you ask. No, regardless of who is asked, what do I want to be known for? Now, I know the immediate pushback is, yeah, but Donnie, there's just some, there's just some people, there's no pleasing them. There's just... There's just some people that they're just always looking for something negative. Yep. Hello. Um, <laughs> that's true. And tonight's story actually shows that. The person we're going to look at tonight is a, is a great example of, of this, that what this person was known for didn't keep people from still trying to be negative and trying to dig up dirt on him. Uh, because we've probably all had... Uh, someone in our life that you just felt like it was impossible to please. I mean, I think that's where this is, this is helpful for all of us. But what's super useful is to see this person in the Bible who shifted his focus from those people who were looking for dirt 
and instead put his focus on God. Okay, and that brings us uh, to a young man named Daniel, uh, who is, his story is found in the book of the Bible called Daniel, because the people that named the books of the Bible had super creative minds. Um, Daniel is over here right above the word story with the lion curled up in his lap. And if you're like, what is up with that? We're going to get there. Um, if, you, if you went to church as a, as a kid growing up, uh, you're probably familiar with a lot of the stories in Daniel chapters 1 through 6. Some really good like Sunday school stories in there. Uh, but we always stop with kids at chapter 6 because chapter 7 through 12, it's like, what did Daniel start smoking? Because he's seeing all sorts of stuff. Uh, but tons of visions, just some really, there's, there's sheep and there's rams and there's all, it's just, there's a lot. I mean, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, there's just stuff everywhere. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot. Uh, but but these, are, these are pretty, the, the chapters 1 through 6 are some pretty well-known stories, some good Bible stories that you tell kids, so it fits that, uh, that, that Daniel would, would make an appearance uh, in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Uh, the story is actually called Daniel and the Scary Sleepover. Um, so, okay, because he, he ends up spending the night with a whole bunch of lions. Um, I've, those of you that know me can't probably help but think it's ironic that I'm doing the story about cats, because, sorry, but not a cat person here. Um, but they know that. Cats know. Cat, it's like, you're not a cat person. I'm going to come sit in your lap whether you like it or not. Like, that's happened, happened, oh my gosh, it's happened all the time. Um, but Daniel and the Scary Sleepover. So I'm going to read the Jesus Storybook Bible uh, version of it. We'll reference the, the uh, I guess, traditional Bible uh, story a few times uh, also. But the pictures will show up here so you can kind of feel like I'm holding it up and reading it to you. Uh, so here we go. Daniel and the Scary Sleepover. Things were not looking good for God's people. They'd been captured and taken far from home, and now they were slaves of the king of Babylon. But God had never left his people. He was with them, and he was looking after them. Daniel loved God and obeyed him. Now, God made Daniel able to understand lots of difficult things, so it wasn't long before the king of Babylon noticed him. King Darius liked how clever Daniel was, so he made Daniel his most important helper of all and put him in charge of lots of other helpers. But the other helpers didn't like this. They wanted the king to like them best, so they wanted to get rid of Daniel. So they spied on Daniel. They tried to find things wrong with Daniel, things they could tell the king, things they could... But there weren't any. None. They couldn't find anything at all, except there was just the one thing. Every day, three times a day, without fail, no matter what, Daniel went to his room, closed the door, and prayed. Oh, the audacity, he prayed. So these other royal advisors, they're jealous of Daniel, so they try to dig up some dirt on him. And the worst thing they could find about him is that he prays three times a day. Like, that's it. They, um, Daniel 6 puts it this way. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground of complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. They realize they can't find anything that he's doing wrong by the laws of the land. They know the only shot they have is to find something that they can manipulate based on his obedience and dedication to God. 
What they know Daniel for is that he's too faithful to God. That's what they're going to use against him. What do I want to be known for? Man, I'd love to be known as being too faithful to God. And this is his enemies talking. This is people that hated him, that wish he wasn't there. They definitely think they're better than him. But they realize that there's just nothing they can do. Daniel epitomizes and exemplifies a a term that gets thrown around in the Bible every now and then, but it's kind of like, what does that even mean? To live a life above reproach. Above reproach. The word literally means, the word that's translated above reproach in our Bibles means not merely acquittal, but the absence of even a charge or an accusation. It's not that the dirt they find isn't that bad. It's that there's no dirt at all. They literally can't find anything wrong with Daniel. He's not breaking any of their laws. So they decide to make up a law that they know he will break. So we'll continue in the Jesus Storybook Bible. Remember, they've watched him pray. They smile to themselves. Let's get the king to make a law. No one's allowed to pray to anyone except to the king. Daniel won't obey this law and he'll be punished. So they were pleased with themselves for being so clever and they hurried off to tell the king. The king liked their idea. He didn't know they were tricking him. What an idiot. Um, So he made it into a law. Everyone must pray only to me. Great. If you don't, the lions will have you for their dinner. That's where the lions come in. Daniel heard this. He knew it was wrong to pray to anyone except God. He had to do what God said, whatever it cost him, even if many would die. So Daniel went to his room, closed the door, and prayed. And this is one of those places where the Jesus story Bible turns it this way, which I love it when children's books do that. I wish, like, textbooks did that sometimes. That would make it a little more interesting, wouldn't it? That's just what the bad men knew Daniel would do. So they skipped straight off to tell the king, Oh, your most glittering highness. Your law says, does it not, that everyone must pray to you alone, sire? Yes, said the king. Oh, your magisterial brightness. Then correct us if we're wrong, but it would seem that Daniel is praying to God, not to you. The king was sad. He had been tricked. He didn't want to hurt Daniel, but he couldn't change his law. Remember in Aladdin when the sultan of Agrabah was like, can't do anything about it. It's like, you just made... Anyway. And so he let the soldiers throw Daniel to the lions. Daniel, lions, thrown. Not good. May your God, who you love so much, rescue you, the king said. Daniel's so above reproach, so blameless, so pure, so innocent, that they know the only thing they can do is to make up a law that they know he'll break because they know how faithful he is to God. They know he's going to pray to God three times a day. So they make up a law that they know he'll break. They know how much he loves God. And so does King Darius. I mean, as the Jesus story of the Bible put it, may your God whom you love so much rescue you. Uh, Daniel 6.16 says it a little bit differently. The king commanded. Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. Daniel was known for his love for and service to God. That's how he lived his life. He was known for that. 
Again, our question, what do I want to be known for? Now, I know this might seem like kind of an egotistical and self-centered and very um, inward-focused question. But have you ever met someone or known someone that once you got to know them, you knew them for something that, honestly, you wished you were known for as well? You know, you saw something about them, and you're like, man. Like Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers is his name. It's, it's Rogers is his name. Like, we all want to have a neighbor like Mr. Rogers. But why not be the neighbor like Mr. Rogers? You know, why not, why not do that? Why not try to be known for that instead of trying to be around, just, instead of just trying to be around people that are known for, for good qualities? Let's try to have those good qualities also, be known for them ourselves. Um, this was really driven home to me about a particular character trait that honestly I didn't think much about until about 12 years ago. Um, I was working at a church down the road, and uh, we had a, had a funeral for a member. Um, a gentleman's name was Ed Uxom, just a really... This is an interesting dude. Um, we, we, we called him our church's hippie because he wore flip-flops to, uh, to church before all the cool kids did. Um, long, scraggly gray hair, long, scraggly gray beard. Knew the Bible as well as anyone I've ever known. And knew that he knew it. And knew that he knew it better than you. Um, and not afraid to let you know that if you kind of bowed up at him a little bit. Um, but during his funeral, his family wanted to give anybody that wanted to talk about Ed an opportunity to do so. And I sat there and watched person after person after person go up there and talk about how what they always thought about with Ed was his gentleness. And y'all, he was like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, I mean, closing on 300 pounds, he was a big dude. And one lady even said, you look at him and you think grizzly bear. And then you get to talking to him and you realize he's just a big teddy bear. And I remember sitting there that day and, and thinking, nobody would get up at my funeral right now and say, I think of gentleness when I think of Doc. And that has stuck with me. I mean, I'm telling you the story 12 plus years later. It, it, has, it has stuck with me. I, and I... Very imperfectly strive for it on a regular basis, especially when it comes to my wife Beth and our daughters Lexi and Carrington. Because I think, I mean, that Ed's gentleness helped a lot of people. And so when you think about these things that I want to be known for, I mean, realize it can help others. But it's not just about helping others. It's also about, and if for those of us that are, that are following Jesus, this is important, it's all about bringing glory to God. And we see Daniel doing that. Bringing glory to God, not just by his prayers, but by the words of this pagan king Darius. Listen to how this story ends according to the Jesus Storybook Bible. The king went back to his palace, but he didn't sleep that night. Not a wink. He tossed and he turned until finally at the first glimmer of dawn, he leaped out of bed ran straight to the den. Daniel, he cried, has your God rescued you? Yep. Daniel shouted, God sent an angel to close the lion's mouths. And there, and this is where our painting comes from there, resting his head on Daniel's lap was the biggest lion purring like a little kitten. 
king brought Daniel out of the den. Look, he said, Daniel doesn't even have a scratch. The king made a new law. Of course, now he does. Daniel's God is the true God, the God who rescues. Pray to him instead. And God would keep on rescuing his people. And here's the part that whispers Jesus' name. And the time was coming when God would send another brave hero like Daniel, who would love God and do what God said, whatever it cost him, even if it meant he would die. And together, they would pull off the greatest rescue the world has ever known. So Darius says, Daniel's God is the true God, the God who rescues. Pray to him instead. Uh, Daniel 6, at the end of this story we find in the book of Daniel, a little more detail. King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwelled on earth, Peace be multiplied to you, says the guy who just threw a dude in the lion's den. Um, I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. This is one king talking about another king. Because King Darius, and let's be honest, y'all, most ancient Near Eastern kings were pretty sure they were God. Darius realizes he's not. And he realizes that Daniel's God is. See, what happened, and this is fascinating how the Bible is all one unified story that all points to Jesus. Daniel lives out something that's going to be written hundreds of years later by a man named Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' closest followers. If you have spent any time uh, reading the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, a lot of us tend to identify with Peter the most because Peter's um, not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, Peter uh, acts before he thinks and speaks before he thinks a lot. And I know none of us can identify with that. Um, but near the end of... Um, Near the end of, of the Bible, there are two short letters that Peter wrote. And in 1 Peter 2, Peter writes this. People who do not believe are living all around you. And they might say that you are doing wrong. Live such good lives that they will see the good things you do and will give glory to God. Live such good lives. And again, I think here's the very fair pushback. But come on, Donnie. Some people are always looking for something. Yeah, that's the whole point of the Daniel story. They were looking for something. That's on them. What Daniel did's on him. Yeah, but, but Donna, you don't know how this person treats me. You're right, I don't. How they treat you is on them. How you treat them is on you. Y'all, when I was teaching, I taught with a lady whose, um, her superpower was the ability to take anything I said and did and turn it into a personal attack against her. Like, it was remarkable. Like, if it hadn't been, like, infuriating and, like, heartbreaking and just so frustrating, it'd have been hilarious. But it was remarkable. That's on her. 
But how I treated her, how I talked to her, how I, hear this, how I talked about her, that's on me. And y'all, Jesus gets this. His opponents were always looking for something on him. I mean, there are multiple places in the, in the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth where it says they asked him this question to test him. That's what they did over and over again. But that didn't stop Jesus from doing what he knew he was supposed to do. It didn't stop Jesus from being who he knew he was supposed to be. It didn't stop Jesus from being the person that we know him now as. And with that, let me, let me, let's, get, let's get y'all talking a little bit here. The, the mac, mac and cheese coma is about to set in if we don't get moving here. Um, what's Jesus known for? Just shout it out. Being kind? Okay. What? He's a teacher. Living hope. Ooh, that's a good one. Forgiveness. Somebody else said, somebody said something before forgiveness. Miracles, okay. Servant. Healing. Ooh, let that be the last one because this next question goes along with that very well. Humility. Okay. What are Christians known for? Judgmental. Bigotry. Self-righteousness. Hypocrisy. Impatient. Yeah. Now, if you're expecting me to set up, set up, uh, to stand up here and be like, okay, let me debunk all of those. Nope. Because some Christians are all of those things, and all Christians are some of those things. Just period. Okay? I mean, we are. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just reality. So, again, our question. What do I want to be known for? See, the same things that Jesus is known for, if we're following him, those things that we said in that first set of lists, well, that should be it. Or to kind of take Peter's words, we should be known, we should want to be known for living such a good life that the people who want to accuse us of doing wrong will instead glorify God. Which I get it, that sounds great, but it's like, all right, cool. Um, how about like a step-by-step thing for how to do that? Well, okay. Do things that there's no law against. I don't mean don't break the law. Okay? What I mean is a phrase that is part of a relatively well-known passage of Scripture that oftentimes gets overlooked in that passage of Scripture. Okay? Um, there was a man named Paul, and if you're not familiar, Paul was the first ever Christian missionary. He actually started out, uh, started out persecuting the church and Christians, but then uh, he became a Christian, traveled around the Mediterranean world, telling people about Jesus, started a bunch of churches, wrote, wrote a bunch of letters to churches. One of those he wrote uh, to Christians in an area called Galatia. And near the end of his letter to the Galatians, Paul wrote this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I think we, that's why I wanted to highlight it in this one. Because I think we missed that part. These traits are above reproach. Can you imagine if the only thing people could criticize about you was that you were too joyful? 
It's like, nah, I can't hang out with those CCF people anymore. They're just way too patient. I mean, just, I, just, I mean, these are noble. This is what you want in your friends, your coworkers, your professors, your spouse one day. I mean, that's right. These are good things. I mean, which ones do you want to be known for? All of them. That's a trick question. There's three questions. Boom. Which ones do you want to be known for? Yeah, just all of them. That's a trick question. Okay, but these are, which ones do you have a good handle on? Which ones do you need to improve on? Here's the thing. Don't answer that for you. Ask somebody else to answer it for you. Okay, ask somebody else, which of the fruit of the Spirit do you think I've got a good handle on? Okay, which ones do you think I could work on? And ask somebody that's going to be honest with you, not somebody who's going to pat you on the back and be like, oh, you're great at all nine of them. No, don't do that. Okay, don't do, ask somebody that is going to be real with you and is going to let you know. Now, when you see that list of nine things, um, I think for many of us, some names and faces pop into our minds. Uh, and I want to give you a little bit of a, a suggestion. If somebody popped into your mind and they're not in the room, uh, later tonight, please don't do it now, text them. Hey, we're doing this thing on the fruit of the Spirit, and the word patient popped up, and I just think about you when I think about patience. Just let them know if they're, not, uh, if they're not in the room. If they're in the room, I'm going to give you a chance right now, though, after me, to do a little shout-out, a little Fruit of the Spirit shout-out. But I'm going to start because I have the microphone. Um, <laughs> Beth Holiday is one of the kindest people I know. Yeah, say, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, y'all, I have, uh, I have watched her sit with family and friends who were crying and she cried with them and she didn't know why they were crying, but it didn't matter. Uh, she's one of the kindest people I know. What's really cool is Lexi and Carrington are two of the kindest kids I've ever known because they learn from their mommy. Um, so yeah, when I think of kindness, I think of my wife. So before I cry anymore. What do you got? Give somebody a shout out. Sandra's, Sandra's got a lot of love, okay. Riley's got a lot of joy. Riley's out there in the, did you hear that, Riley? She's out in the foyer. Adonis said you got a lot of joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, if you know the person that you want to give a shout out well enough to know that if you said their name out loud in this, they'd be mortified and super embarrassed. That's totally cool. That means you're a good friend and you know them well. But don't let them leave tonight without telling them. Okay? That, that impacts people. Now, here's the thing about that. Some of us hear that and we're like, well, good for them. But I don't have those things. I mean, that's just not, 
in me. Well, let me look at this passage again with a different section highlighted. It's not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, it's called that for a reason. It's not about, it's not about me. It's not about all those folks that were mentioned. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about what you do. It's about what the Spirit of God is doing in you. And y'all, when God's Spirit is at work inside of you because you're like, all right, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to run my life. When you give him that permission, and just buckle up. Sometimes he doesn't wait for your permission. Um, but then it comes out. It comes out of you. That's how fruit works. Fruit's an outward indication of an inner condition. Fruit's used as a metaphor all throughout the Bible because it makes sense. Because the state of the fruit of a plant tells you about the plant. Over and over again, Jesus says a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. It doesn't happen the other way around. I mean, he even says funny stuff like, you don't get picked figs from thorn bushes, do you? It's like, well, no. But of course not. Because the fruit is an outward indication of an inner condition. That's, that's how fruit works. What? What's the purpose of fruit? Why do plants make fruit? Let's go back to your middle school day. Ooh, sugar. Nutrition, okay. There's seeds. Yeah, it spreads their seeds. Okay, so what do you... Oh, and seeds, a metaphor for what in the Bible? Ooh, the Word of God. Hmm, that's something. We'll get to that in a second. But like, but like when you think like fruit, like when you, if you're going to just in general, fruit is edible, good. I mean, it, it, it smells good usually. All right. Yeah, it's pretty. Yes, it's pretty. Like that sounds like, it, seriously, it's pretty. Yes, because that way you are drawn to it and you want to eat it. Fruit's very appealing, especially bananas. Um, hey, you're welcome. That was a good one. But, but y'all, it's the same way with the fruit of the Spirit. There we go. It's the same way with those things. Okay? These things will spread, these things will spread the knowledge about God. If, if Christians were those things, all sorts of people would do what Darius did and praise the God that he didn't even know. Okay, but it, I mean, these things, these are traits that you want. I mean, you're not going to hear a guy be like, yeah, I had to break up with my girlfriend. She's just so faithful. She's so patient and self-controlled. You know, or some girl be like, yeah, I was dating that guy for a little bit, but I mean, he's just so kind and so faithful and so good. I mean, no, that's, you want that. Like you want these traits in people. We just, I mean, we do, and if more Christians would do it, more non-Christians would be praising God like King Darius did. But instead, oh, we're all those things we listed. So we're going to play a little game here that's not going to be a lot of fun. I'll just tell you in advance, we're going to play the fill-in-the-blank game of what if instead of being so this, Christians were more that? Buckle up! What if instead of being so mean, Christians were more loving? And here, real quick, I didn't pick, I didn't put hateful on purpose. 
Because, oh, no, I'm not hateful. It's like, I would never do the horrible things that some people do because they hate people just because of the color of their skin or their religion or whatever. Okay, but how are you in traffic? You're that person who's like riding the bumper of the person in front of you so nobody can merge in? All right, what if instead of being so negative, Christians were more joyful? And you're going to notice a theme. The second one's part of the fruit of the Spirit every time. What if instead of being so irritable, Christians were more peaceful? What if instead of being so in a hurry, Christians were more patient? Like every one of these applies to traffic, I feel like. (laughs) But what if instead of being so rude, Christians were more kind? Food service workers don't like working Sunday lunch shift because Christians are jerks. They demand, we don't tip well. I mean, it's just, I, so many friends in college, like, always tried to get Sunday off. Because it was awful. That's messed up. What if instead of being unjust, Christians were more good? Now, again, I didn't put evil because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm not evil. Okay, what about, how fair are you? How just are you focused on being? What if instead of being so loyal to party, Christians were more faithful to God? Yeah, I said it two days after midterm elections. And just real quick, because some of us I know are new this year, and and you might be like, oh, I thought CCF was my place, but Donnie's like all those other preachers who gets political. Yep, because politics inform policies, and policies impact people. Let me say that again, and it is not an original. from I stole it from from a dude that wrote a book. Um, (laughs) Very descriptive there. Um, the name of the book is called Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk, A Christian's Guide to Politics. Um, politics inform policies, and policies impact people. So Christians have to be political, but what Christians must never be is partisan, regardless of which party. Okay? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, what's your allegiance to? What are you faithful to? And while we're talking politics, what if instead of being so harsh, Christians were more gentle? What if instead of being so undisciplined, Christians were more self-controlled? I mean, what if? Kings would be making laws, just like Darius did, if Christians actually did that. When you came in tonight, you found a quarter sheet on your, uh, on your seat. Now, one side's got some announcements. We do things. We're fun around here, so you should come to these things. But the other side has the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I hope you'll come to these fun things because we do things. They're fun. But even after all these events are out of date, I want you to keep this and use it. use it as a prayer request sheet. Okay, use this as a prayer request sheet. God, today help me to be more faithful. Which incidentally, the word there is not about having faith in God, it's about being trustworthy. Okay, God, I've got that class with that professor today. Please help me be more kind. God, it's the middle of the night and I'm scrolling on my phone and I can't sleep. Please help me be more self-controlled. 
So keep this not as a list of checkboxes, but as a prayer request that you ask. And here's the thing. You cannot do these on your own. They are called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. Okay, so if these are really, really super difficult and you could never imagine doing these things, I, would, I think it's time to start thinking about, well, who's running your life? Are you letting God's Spirit do it or are you trying to do it? And if you're trying to do it, how's that working for you? Because Jesus is known for the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, are we? What do I want to be known for? And to kind of to paraphrase Yoda, do or do not, there is no want. It doesn't matter what you want. You want to run a marathon, but you're going to sit on the couch all day? You're not running that marathon. Okay? It's not going to happen. But y'all, this is a super important question. And for those of you that are graduating this semester, next semester, eventually, whenever, okay, you're getting there. It's fine. This is a question about legacy. This is a question about how you want to be remembered. And when I think about that, and this, this is going to, if you're starting those off, this is going to wake you up. Because when I think about that, I think about the crocodile hunter. We have like, crikey, she's a beaut, that one, Steve Irwin. Because, here's the thing, this is really, back during the whole shelter in place thing, my family, like a lot of other families, is like, Discovery Plus, we should get that, because we got to watch some more TV. Um, and it's awesome, all about Discovery Plus. We initially weren't, pay, weren't paying for the ad-free version until political ads became a thing, and then we were like, we're, we're going to pay an extra money to get rid of those ads. Um, but on Animal Planet, there's this show called Crikey, It's the Irwins. And it's about Terry Irwin, who is Steve Irwin's widow, and their kids, Bendy and Robert, and the work that they're doing at Australia Zoo. And it's fascinating. I mean, it's just really cool. And every single episode ends with usually one of the three of them talking about how the work they're doing is just continuing Steve's legacy. Or they're, we're just, we're just building on the things that dad taught us. We're just doing things that we know would make dad proud. And every episode starts with this several years old uh, clip of an interview where Irwin says, where Steve Irwin says, is there anything that would make me want to stop what I'm doing? And he says, yes, there is. When my, it gets me every time. When my children can take the football that I call wildlife conservation and run it up. I don't know where that man stood with Jesus, but he had an answer for that. He didn't call himself a conservationist. He called himself a wildlife warrior. And his daughter, Bendy, and her husband, Chandler, welcomed a baby not that long ago, and they named her Grace Warrior. Y'all, that's a legacy. That man knew what he wanted to be known for, and he spent his life making sure he was. If you decide you want to be known for these things, and you decide to do what it takes, let me tell you one of the things that it takes. That is not going to be a fun thing to hear. Because if you really decide you're going to do this, what you're going to do a lot of 
is apologizing. Because when you set your heart on being more kind and more gentle, when you fall short of that and you realize you hurt the people you care about, you can't not apologize. And you can't not ask for forgiveness. It literally happened this morning with me and Beth. And so you apologize. I learned this from one of my mentors in ministry, Steve Watson, who was at the church I worked at. Watson's apologies, I mean, were heartfelt and sincere and sincere, not insincere, and sincere. And when you looked in his eyes, you saw his heart through the tears that were in him because it broke his heart that he had hurt you. But you didn't get a, my bad. I mean, you got a, I am so sorry, looking you dead in the eye. And I've never forgotten that. And I guess, ideally, you wouldn't want to be known for being willing to apologize, because ideally you wouldn't mess up, but that's not going to happen. So, you know, years from now, when my girls are telling their grandkids about their dad, if... If one of the things they remember is that dad apologized whenever he hurt our feelings, yeah, I'll take that. Because as much as I enjoy the show NCIS, Leroy Jethro Gibbs is wrong. Forgiveness, apologizing, sorry, apologizing is not a sign of weakness. If you've never seen the show, that's one of his rules. Never apologize is a sign of weakness. Incidentally, his rule number 51 is sometimes you're wrong. Yep. Apologizing is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of maturity. It is a sign of strength. And it is a sign of growth. Just like fruit is in plants. And just like these are in people who are trying to follow Jesus. So use this as a prayer request sheet. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we ask for His help in becoming known for the things that He's known for. Let's pray, y'all. Heavenly Father, God, I ask you watch over people dealing with uh, the effects of this hurricane uh, in Florida and, and beyond. Take care of them. Keep them safe and, and healthy, God. And for all of us, God, I ask that you make us more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more good, more faithful, more gentle, and more self-control. It's in Jesus' name I ask this. Amen.